Hi there, welcome to the Stockholmer podcast with a new show every Tuesday during season three. I'm Maddie Savage, bringing you the personal stories behind Sweden's innovative capital. It's a tricky question because you need money, of course, to survive nowadays. Uh, however, I've never taken on a job in my entire life when I asked what the salary is. I took the job because I loved doing what I was given to do. Stefan Björklund makes a living from extreme sports. He's one of Sweden's top adventure racers, navigating his way through wilderness terrain around the world. He was part of the team you might remember adopting an injured jungle dog called Arthur back in 2014, making global headlines. In this episode, he shares his current challenges and future dreams. The Stockholmer. Stefan, welcome to the podcast. We're recording this episode in Stockholm's iconic Olympic Stadium, built back in 1912, so more than 100 years old. It's a bit like a, a fortress, lots of red bricks, Swedish flags uh, flying from the roof and a few young athletes uh, training right in front of us. Flatter than many of the places you train, but you, you, have, you have trained here and also come here to watch your favourite football team, I understand. Yes, that's correct. I've been uh, running my intervals here and uh, as a kid I came here with my cousin to watch yogurt and play some soccer and so this place means a lot so it's uh, it's really cool to be here. You're a man who wears a lot of different sporting hats but one of the main ones you are a professional adventure racer. For those unfamiliar with the sport what exactly is that? Uh, adventure racing is uh, basically four sports that are fused together mountain biking trail running, kayaking and navigational skills. So um, we race normally between 24 hours up to 7 days. The course can be around um, 400 kilometers up to 1,100 kilometers. Uh, for the longer ones we sleep to 2-3 hours a night but uh, normally you want to finish as quick as you can so you don't want to spend time sleeping so we race uh, through the nights. It sounds incredible but almost impossible for most people i mean this is this is your job mm -hmm. this is your lifestyle yeah. why do you do it i really like uh, to explore new areas and new corners around the world meet new people you know a country who hosts a race like this they always host it in an area where they want to yeah they want to show off and it's like a their way of bragging so they show us a lot of unbelievable uh, beautiful uh, nature and uh, we get to meet culture through the racing as well. As you say it's a fusion of other sports so mm -hmm. it's a relatively new competitive sport I mean you don't just wake up at eight years old and say I'm, you know I'm going to be an adventurer how, how did that come about for you and, and how did you get on that bandwagon? They actually showed this on Eurosport and uh, other TV channels and um, I got really interested, but I didn't know how to get into the sport. So then uh, swim running came up and I started uh, swim running and uh, where you swim and you run uh, through the archipelago. And uh, I became really good at, at that in an early point. And uh, a photographer uh, that was making a documentary about swim running he was also making a documentary about the team adventure racing team so he asked me if i knew about the sport and i was just like yeah i know about the sport i saw it on on tv when i was younger and he um he asked if he could recommend me for one of the best teams in the world and i 
I said, sure. And two weeks later, I had... Let's just backtrack. He asked if he could recommend you someone that had never done that before for one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. I mean, what was going through your mind at that point? And that's a a real accolade to your skills. Yeah, well, uh, this is uh, five, six years ago. I wasn't as humble back then. Uh, I was pretty cocky. And uh, basically, I had a tryout for six months before I did my first race. So it clearly takes a lot of strength, a lot of training. Just give us a bit of an insight. I guess this isn't like a race that you kind of are, just train eight weeks before. This must be something, as it's part of your lifestyle, that you're training all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's a lifestyle for sure. And uh, of course it's a lot of training. All of us, we know that we can't quit because we spend way too much time and money and effort to be there. But the, the mental game is... It's really tough when you uh, have sore feet and uh, you haven't slept for uh, two and a half days and you have blisters in your mouth. Yeah, you're sore all over the body and it's a little comic, you know. We laugh a lot when we're limping there or (laughs) suffering together. Uh, You have to find that side of of it. Have you ever been at the point where you feel that your life is in danger? due to the, the physical pressures on you and, and the weather, the environment? Maybe. Uh, it's hard to realize when you're in that situation right there and then. We have different roles in the team, and I'm the navigator. And I made a route choice in uh, Chile. It was a shortcut, uh, but it included uh, climbing on a rock wall, though, and the rocks were really, really loose. And uh, this was in the middle of the night. So... Or we realized it was quite dangerous, but not that dangerous. And um, when the sun came up and we did a loop and we came back and we saw where we climbed up, we were lucky to be alive. (laughs) It was pretty crazy. One very memorable race you did a a few years ago made global headlines for for an extremely different reason, thanks to Arthur the Jungle Dog. Uh, This is such a lovely story. So you were at the Adventure Racing World Championships in Ecuador in 2014. You were with your your teammates, including Mikhail Lindnord, and and he befriended this this starving and stray animal. And this dog ended up swimming after the team and and coming with you to the end of the race. And uh, Michael adopted him and, and brought him back to Sweden. But... How did it feel for you in the, in the thick of this event? You're, you're trying to compete in this very high-level challenge and, and suddenly you've got this extra teammate. Yeah, we didn't know what to think first because uh, we thought he was with another team. After a few hours, we realized that he's not going to leave us. So uh, we didn't talk much to each other in the, within the team. You know, it was just... I think all of us realized that, okay, he's with us now. We have to bring him back to a town and uh, he he was bleeding from his back so we really wanted to take him to a vet so that was basically that was our main goal first before we realized that we need to bring him back to Sweden but I mean a stray animal in the middle of the jungle and you're in the middle of one of the biggest challenges of your life you, mm-hmm. you could have left him there yeah yeah but yeah he had such personality and the uh, we got really attracted to him and he to us. <laughs> so he came back, he was in quarantine for some time, he now lives up north. Do you hang out? Have you been to see him? When have you been to see Michael? Uh, I haven't seen him for almost two years, So, but I know he's doing well and yeah, he's doing fine with his new life. 
in Sweden. He's never seen snow before and now he loves snow, so <laughs> that's good. Um, what is the coolest challenge you haven't done yet? What is on your list still left to achieve? Oh, there's so many things. You know, I'm a day-to-day person, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, whatever run into to my face uh, that sounds attractive, yeah, I will take on the challenge. So you don't plan too far ahead. I want to talk about this a bit from a, from a business perspective then, because this is kind of a portfolio career that you have. You have sponsorship deals, you're currently sponsored by Peak Performance. You also work as a motivational speaker. The first time we crossed paths was when you came to speak to my running club here in Stockholm, Sideline City. You also work as a guide and, and as a trainer. So I don't want to talk about the, the specifics of money, but I mean, how does it go from a hobby that then covers the rent to then something that actually can sustain you, maybe even make you some decent money? Well, it's a tricky question because you need money, of course, to survive nowadays. Uh, however, I've never taken on a job in my entire life when I asked what the salary is. You know, I, I, I took the job because I loved doing what I was given to do. So do, do you get paid per race by your sponsor or by... How does it work? We get uh, uh, one amount that we uh, send an invoice for every year. And uh, yeah, that, that's how most uh, sponsorships work within our sport. Uh, so I try to cover my expenses with yeah, some, some talks and uh, guiding. and I can always call someone, a friend or something, that, and say, can I come and work? Uh, this month I I need to cover my rent and um, yeah I'm low on money and normally they say sure come in and, and do some work for me and that can be anything but I mean you're in your 30s now you've had some heart troubles as well I mean, what's the what's the prognosis what's the the future for an adventure racer do you retire in your 40s like a footballer are you going to have to think of a, of a plan B to make make a living well, uh, you know, there's so much experience in this sport and uh, most people, they're actually at their best in their 40s. So you can race for a really, really long time. That's what I predict now. You know, I, I don't want to quit within the five next years. I want to keep on racing for another 10, 15 years. And uh, yeah, you always find ways to make money. If anyone's wondering what that noise is in the background, we've got a digger that's just arrived in the stadium and <laughs> some building work going on behind us. This is Stockholm, one of the fastest growing uh, cities in Europe, so quite hard to escape the noise sometimes. But um, another part of your job is being an influencer. You've got a website, you're on Instagram. Is that something that you enjoy? I mean, sitting at a computer or on your phone is, is so, so different to being out there in a remote mountain location. Social media is so important nowadays, so I don't have a choice really, but I don't see it that way. I see it as a fun way to inspire other people and uh, hopefully I can leave uh, some kind of footprint, uh, more inspirational footprints than uh, for my own ego, you know. What do you hope others can learn from your experiences then? What one thing might they take away? I really hope that people can get out and enjoy nature and take care of it a little better than we do today. But then also, I use the hashtag, what's your dream? So just to go out and look for your dreams and find out your dreams and then go for them. You know, life is way too short to just do 
things that other wants you to do instead of doing things that you like to do. You've been listening to The Stockholmer, an independent production by Maddie Savage. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes. It will help us to reach more people with our stories from Sweden's innovative capital. Support for this episode comes from the travel app Live. Thanks to Benoit Derrière for production assistance, Diego Planas Rego for digital marketing, Simeon Ghost for permission to use their music, and Richard Stevens for designing our logo. We'll be sharing more inspirational stories every Tuesday throughout season three.